As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello and welcome to the Thursday edition of of Football and Grits. I am your host, David Ubbin, and as always on Thursday, I am joined by Mitch Light, one of our athletic college football editors. Mitch, are you bracing yourself, as uh, the in, uh, the the inimitable Mike Leach would say, uh, for more departures at, at Mississippi State? What is, what is going on down there? Yeah, has any program... I don't know what the right phrase is here. Has the, has the the momentum or the the feeling Whiplash. about Whiplash, how about that? <laughs> one program changed so much from one week or week 1 in the season, put aside that it was like September it was late September, but just one week the first game to what it is now and obviously David you're referring to more departures today. I think it's 7 within the Mississippi State program and then on the SEC conference call today Mike Leach says brace yourself there could be more. He seems to not care one bit that guys are leaving his program. And I, I don't know if this is a fair comparison, but like when you're when you're coaching at Washington State, a lot of those guys, and I've looked at their recruiting classes there, they weren't very good. They, they didn't have other Power Five offers. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that they stayed at Washington State because they you know, didn't, like he was holding them hostage or anything. But all these guys at Mississippi State signing, these are a series of top 25 classes. They, they have other options. And... He's losing a lot of talented players. Two of the guys who left today are from his 2020 signing class. Uh, so I don't think he's that concerned. I'm concerned though for Mississippi State football. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to tell a coach that you should want good players. Like, yeah, like there's a, there's a fine line between placating nonsense and trying to make it work. And I have a sense that there's not a ton of effort into trying to make it work on his part. And I think especially when you're talking about guys like, you know, Kylan Hill, especially who he said, you know, I guess today he said, I heard he opted out. Like that's all you need to know right there. Right. Yeah. It's like, that's probably not great. Like I'm sure there's been regrettable stuff from the players and, and all that stuff. Although maybe not, I don't know. It's tough to know what the line is, but it's amazing to me that you sort of let it get to this point. Because again, like I said, I don't know how to tell a coach that you need good players. It seems like a, a truth that's so self-evident that it doesn't need to be said. Right. And like you said, the programs are going to have situations. Guys, you've got 85 scholarships or 86 scholarships. You've got 100 players. You're, you're going to have some guys that don't 
agree, you don't see eye to eye with, they don't fit into your quote unquote culture. That's going to happen everywhere. But we know Mike Leach's history. We know the comments, mm-hmm. some of the things he said at Washington State the last few years. It rubs a lot of kids the wrong way. And like I said before, a lot of these kids, if you're a highly recruited kid that signed with Mike Leach in last February or last December, you're going to say, screw this. I'm not putting up with this. I'm going to go to Ole Miss. I'm going to go to Arkansas. Not all these kids are going to go to Alabama or Georgia, but most of the guys that Mississippi State has signed in recent years had a lot of other Power 5 offers. Yeah, and I think, you know, to close this, I think we may not know exactly what happened right now. Uh, other coaches are going to know, and then recruits are going to know. And, and you know, if this is something that is not reflecting well on the current staff, I think that's something that's going to hurt them in recruiting, which – quite frankly, is more important in the SEC than it is in the Pac-12. I just think that's that's true. At, at, you know, Washington State versus Mississippi State, you can still recruit some good players there. So Yeah, and both, real quick, before we move on, that team up the road there in Oxford, they might only have one win, but they're having a hell of a lot more fun than Mississippi State. And their coach yeah. is going on social media. And recruiting take, better, it should be known. Yeah, he's, <laughs> taking, he's taking fines, you know, from the SEC office. He's, he's backing his team, and so – you know, two programs, not a lot of wins there, but different feelings around each program. Yeah. Well, welcome to today's show, guys. Uh, appreciate you guys subscribing. If you haven't already, you should do that. Leave us a review. Leave us a five-star rating. It helps get the word out. Another full week of content um, across our uh, athletic college football team. It's my favorite team. I am somewhat biased, but uh, I think we got the best squatter writers uh, out there covering college football. Uh, so what thanks about, for what about the show. Yes, and editors, Mitch, and editors. If you have not already subscribed, if you've not already subscribed to the Athletic, you can do that at theathletic.com backslash grits. You can read all of our stuff, Uh, and it's it's a lot every single day. We had a really uh, interesting story uh, on uh, what we got Deuce Vaughn this week, Michael Penix at Indiana, uh, all kinds of stuff, Um, and of course, you know your national coverage stuff from from Bruce Feldman, Andy Staples, uh, Stu Mandel. Well, we're talking quarterbacks today, Mitch. We're, we're, we're at kind of the midpoint of the SEC schedule, sort of. It's weird. Some, some teams have played five games. Yeah, it's a weird spot. Uh, so today, we wanted to look at, at where the quarterbacks are. The five guys that if we had one game, which, who knows, how the, how the back half of yeah. the season will go. If you take a look up at Wisconsin, it's tough to project what's going to happen. But if you have one game, who's the quarterback that you want? Mitch, I'll let you have the number five spot first. We'll start from the bottom and move up. Who's your number five guy? Yeah, and we we exchanged messages earlier. I we were n- neither one of us were overly impressed with the list of quarterbacks to choose from. And it, yeah, I, I would not have said to, that a month ago. A I compared ago, it to uh, I, yeah. choosing my my five favorite dental procedures. Uh, this is not exactly a murderer's row of quarterbacks, but you can make a, a case for a bunch of different guys. And uh, yes. so, yes, Mitch, who's your number five? Okay, my number five, I'm going to make a, a, a strong case. This is a curveball. I'm going with John Rice Plumley, a guy who has not started okay. a game yet. I'm going to run that the option. I'm going to come in. I'm going to run the option for one game. This is a guy that last year led the SEC in rushing, 113 yards per game, 6.6 yards per carry. With him running the show last year, they had 476 yards against Alabama. I know they had more this year, but just bear with me. 614 versus LSU. That's a fun offense with John Rice Plumley, And you know what? He's not going to throw six interceptions like Matt Corral did because we're not throwing the ball six times because we're running the option. Spoiler alert, Matt Corral did not make my list uh, for that precise reason. <laughs> yes. Although you could argue him, uh, good Matt Corral can win you a game. 
bad Matt Corral or mediocre yes. or bad Matt Corral is not going to win you a game. I would agree. My number five, Mitch, I like upside. I like upside. And I'm not sure you're going to find many quarterbacks in the SEC right now with a higher upside than Mr. Connor Basilak at Missouri. Uh, like it. Maybe it's a little bit of uh, like infatuation. You first start dating someone and you're like, oh, this person's awesome. They have no flaws. They're the most perfect person I've ever met in my entire life. Uh, a little bit like uh, the Claire and Dale dynamic on, on The Bachelor right now. I don't know if you're into The Bachelor, Mitch. First of all, you should be. But I it's a bit of an not... infatuation, perhaps. Yeah. Uh, but you don't see this person's flaws. Maybe I am that way. But I I like what I've seen from Mr. Connor Bazelag. He's played some decent defenses. I think you know he looked pretty good. If you can complete 70% of your passes against Kentucky, who's pretty salty, uh, I, I like what I see there. When you're playing a team like LSU, four touchdowns, 400 yards. LSU's not stopping anybody, but that was his second, well, first career start uh, because he'd come yes. in in relief. That's pretty amazing. Uh, and so... Maybe there's a little bit of recency bias, but my number five guy, Mr. Connor Basilak at Missouri. I like it. Did not make my list, but, you know, like he's played well against Tennessee. He's not <laughs> there's a lot of guys poorly. you can make some cases for, yeah. <laughs> so, my number so, four. My number okay, four. Okay, you go, yeah. You go number four. Okay. My number four, uh, he's had a bit of a, a boo-boo situation lately, but I'm going to go with Mr. Miles Brennan at LSU. Uh, not the perfect season just yet. But he's been he's been overshadowed a bit, uh, I think, because the defense has been so poor, and of course T.J. Finley blows up. That's been uh, interesting. But listen, I I like it. I like what I've seen from him. Uh, when he needs to make a throw, he can make a throw. You know, and and I'd like his completion percentage to be a little higher. But you can't argue with with production. So I'm going Miles Brennan number four. Yeah, you stole my thunder there because I introduced my number five guy as a backup quarterback in John Rice Pumley, and my number four guy might be a backup soon enough if TJ Finley keeps <laughs> it's entirely playing possible. Well. So that tells you something about the state of quarterbacks in the SEC. But now I'm with you, Miles Brennan. I, I, their issues early this year have not been him. It's obviously been the defense. He's played well. He's averaging 8.5 yards per attempt, 11 touchdowns, three interceptions. So. Uh, you can win a lot of games with Miles Brennan at quarterback, and I, I expect LSU to win more games this year with him at quarterback. So he is my number four. Who is your number three, Mitch? Kellen Mond, a guy okay. who before the season, I have a feeling our top three might look pretty similar. I don't know. I don't know if you have Mond on there, but before the season was getting a lot of first team, maybe second team, preseason, all SEC buzz, he was really good when it mattered the most against Florida. He was not good in week one. They survived Vanderbilt, but that big win, the biggest win of the Jimbo Fisher era, he was really good in the second half there. Veteran guy, trust him not to make the big mistake. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I'm going to brace myself because my number three might be somewhat controversial here. Jared Santana? No. (laughs) No. Uh, Listen, it's hard to figure out how good some guys at Bama are because there's so much around them. And my question is, if you take the two guys that I have ahead of Mr. Mac Jones, my number three, 
and you put them with those Bama receivers behind that Bama line with that Bama running back, I like them more. I'm sorry. I just do. So Mac Jones, I respect the numbers, all of the Heisman hype, you know, whatever. Knock yourself out. I think he's the third best quarterback in the ACC. Sorry. Wow. I do not have <laughs> Mac Jones number three. I, by the way, I did, I did like your tweet. I chuckled to myself early Saturday in the Tennessee-Alabama game when I think you questioned Mac Jones' uncertainty in the pocket trying to figure out which <laughs> wide-open receiver to throw to. So. It was uh, alarmingly accurate for the, uh, for the folks in Orange. But that's really my case. I think Mac Jones is a good player. I just think that in terms of pure talent, people get seduced by the numbers and the highlights. There's so much around. He's playing behind maybe the best offensive line in the country True. with two and a half NFL receivers. He lost one in Jalen Waddell. But those guys are unbelievable. And so, again, I respect the numbers. I just think there are more talented guys that I would take in, in, a, in a clutch game that I needed to make plays. Averaging 13 yards per attempt. Maybe, maybe that doesn't impress you. Maybe you're looking the for number, 14 I'm or sorry, 15. Listen, you can throw out whatever numbers you want with Mac Jones. I don't think that – I think he's contributing to it. But, again, the argument is just as simple. that The two guys I have ahead of him, if they were in his position, I think those numbers would be better. That's all I'm That's saying. That's very fair. And if you put these guys all in combine settings and ask the NFL scouts to evaluate them – we, you know, who, who knows what would happen? And I, I'm just giving you a hard time. I, I applaud your, <laughs> you're, you're very brave putting. Who the, is your, who is your number two, Mitch? Kyle Trask. Okay. Uh, just, you know, really hard to find fault with anything he's done. We haven't seen him in a few weeks. Uh, but 9.7 yards per attempt, uh, 14 touchdowns, one interception, over 70%. And he's doing so after losing three wide receivers to the NFL. Now they've got dudes. Florida, they've got some. You know, Tony's having a. Stepping up there, some of these young guys are step or new guys are stepping up. They've got some good guys in the backfield. Offensive line's not great. It's a okay offensive line, not really what you'd want to see from a championship contending team. But I think Kyle Trask continues to be a great story for college football and the second best quarterback in the SEC. My number two is Mr. Kellen Mond, and again, if you put Mac Jones on A and M, do we think his numbers would be better than what Kellen Mond has been able to do? His production. The wins, I, I don't think they would be. Uh, I really like what you've seen him Mon. I think he's a probably the best just overall playmaker. I, I think he can be prone to some mistakes from time to time. Um, but you look at him, you know, nine touchdowns, two picks. Uh, I'd like to see a higher completion percentage from him. But I think he can make some plays for you uh, in a lot of different ways. Uh, and, and I like uh, what I've seen from him. You know, he can uh, run the ball a little bit if you need him to. Uh, but he's certainly a... A, uh, a run or a, a pass first guy, uh, but I like Killing Mond at that number two spot. I think he can really uh, change the game for you in a good way. I will kick off my number one, which we should know by now, Mr. Kyle Trask. Uh, again, I, I just think, again, the, the um, in general from him, when he needs to make a throw, he's making it. I mean, none of these guys, with the exception of Mr. Mac Jones, I suppose, are going to wow you. With, your, with their numbers, um, but Kyle Trask, again, 72% completion percentage, 14 touchdowns, one pick, take care of the ball, move the chains, he's doing that, and if you put Kyle Trask behind Alabama's offensive line and with uh, those receivers, I think he could, out, he could outdo what Mac Jones is. So I'll give you the opportunity, Mitch. Tell me why Mac Jones is the number one quarterback in the SEC. Okay, well, I haven't announced Mac Jones as my number one quarterback yet, so don't make <laughs> any assumptions. Before we move on, a Kyle Trask note. has Could be that lowest-rated prospect of the modern recruiting era, and probably much further back than that. 
to become a Heisman finalist, if he is. His final 247 composite rating was 2,123. Respect. Respect. Yes, there's been three guys since 2000 who were in the (laughs) thousands. Baker Mayfield, Jordan Lynch from Northern Illinois, and Kellen Moore all had recruited, you know, they're in the thousands as far as their recruiting ranking. He was two, one, two, three. So. Shout out to Manville High School. Uh, yes, people have written call. that story, but uh, him and Derek yeah. King, that's quite a high school quarterback room. Uh, yes. <laughs> that's my, crazy. My number one quarterback in the SEC is Bryce Young from Alabama. No, just, <laughs> <laughs> they're playing the wrong guy. Clearly, you think they're playing the wrong guy because <laughs> you have Mac Jones at number three. Now, I've got Mac Jones at one. Uh, I made my case before. You, you make valid points, but I think he has done a phenomenal job with this offense. You know, he's got a great running back, great offensive line, great receivers, but he's making all the throws. That 13 yards per attempt is is insane. If he keeps it up, I don't know if it would be an all-time record. It would be the past 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it seems like this, with Oklahoma's emergence as a consistent, uh, consistently great offensive team, yards per attempt, that average seems to be climbing up every year as offenses throw the ball down the field and, and make big plays. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, not not a not what we expected. It's not been a banner year for SEC quarterbacks, but we got some we got some dudes at the top. You know, before we go, we want to look at every game real quick across the SEC schedule um, briefly. I, I think we've we've touched on the Mississippi State Alabama situation. I think it's a man. It really feels like a last one uh, out turn out the lights sort of situation. You know, like I said, the that could be a really ugly deal. Um, or however that ends, and then of course that game I think will be ugly. I feel like we can gloss over that. Georgia Kentucky, this is I, I, it's a sleeper game for me. You know, nobody wants to expect Kentucky. You know, everybody's low on them after they lose to Missouri, but that was not a good Kentucky performance. And and these teams are going to be all over the map this year. I, I, this if this game ends up looking a little bit like South Carolina Georgia last year, I wouldn't be shocked. You know, Kentucky. They kind of have the blueprint. You know, if you can get a couple turnovers, control the game with your offensive front, Kentucky's low-key dangerous here, and this is going to be a low-scoring game, and those games can turn with a couple big turnovers. Um, and Kentucky's defense is good enough to get them. I mean, again, if your offensive line can make some room and, and move the chains a little bit enough to to keep your, your defense from being on the field for 40 minutes in the game, and then you can have some, a defense that can, can pounce on, on – uh, you know, a group in in you know, the, against Stenson Bennett, who, you know, we'll see. I think Kentucky is again the second best defense in the SEC. This is a dangerous game for Georgia, from where I'm. I'm going to use your uh, your dating slash. I don't think this is a bachelorette <laughs> analogy. You're dating. I think Kentucky. You had you saw Kentucky in person. You had a great date with Kentucky. You, you they, <laughs> it looked great that night. And you just can't, you know, you didn't see Kentucky in its other dates when it didn't look so good. So you just, every time you're thinking of Kentucky, you're like, wow, what a good looking team. Um, Terry Wilson, doubtful. He hasn't practiced yet this week. Joey Gatewood might get his first start. Quentin Bohanna, their big defensive tackle, uh, nose tackle, is out here. Quick, real quick numbers. They had 36 offensive snaps against Missouri. That's the fewest by an SEC team in at least the last 20 years. They could just get nothing going offensively. I am. I think Georgia kind of flexes its muscles in this game and wins. It could be a quick game, a lot of uh, a lot of running plays here. But I think they don't do anything crazy because they know they're the better team. I think it's like a you know twenty seven ten type game. Mm-hmm. Auburn LSU. Is there a pulse on Bo Nix? I-, I liked him preseason. If he can't put up some numbers in this game, 
you know, we just haven't seen much out of him. This is an opportunity, you know, especially if if LSU makes a mistake of trying to man up on Seth Williams. This yeah. could be a big game for, for Bo Nix and, and a game that Auburn sort of snaps out of it a little bit. Uh, I, again, I, I think, you know, we talked about this earlier in the week. I don't know what to expect in that game. But if I'm if I if Bo Nix can't put up some numbers and do some impressive things here, I think you got to sell most of your Bo Nix uh, stock at this point in terms of becoming like an elite guy or making this yeah. so-called leap that we thought he he might make this year. He, he did not throw an interception last week against Ole Miss, so he's the, the Auburn's three and zero when he does not throw a pick and zero and two when he does. I, I think if he can limit his mistakes and tank. I think uh, Bigsby's really emerging as a one of the better young backs in the SEC. What I want to see out of this game is, last week T.J. Finley was great for LSU, but even Will Muschamp, uh, after the fact, and I think on his Sunday night press conference, said, we made life easy for him. We did not mm-hmm. get any pressure off him. And, and South Carolina's team, as an aside, they have two five-stars on the defensive line. They, they're, they should be getting more pressure. So Auburn needs to get pressure on this young quarterback making his second start and make things diff, more difficult. I think we're going to see – I think LSU is going to win this game, but I think we're going to see T.J. Finley come back to earth a little bit. He's not going to post those huge numbers. Another thing real quick, LSU, despite the route – was not great defensively. South Carolina averaged 7.9 yards per play, a lot of big plays. And so they didn't get the, the game kind of turned on that pick six and the special teams touchdown. So that LSU win really was maybe not as impressive as it looked on, uh, on paper. Mm-hmm. Vandy Ole Miss is a sort of a something's got to give game. You know, Vandy's given up at least 33 in every game this year. Vandy, we haven't seen them in three weeks, but they haven't scored more than 12 this year. Can Ole Miss show it can be somewhat of a functional defense, or can Vandy sort of show that they can be somewhat of a functional offense? I, I, we'll see. You know, Vandy has just looked really helpless in pretty much every game that they've played. Um, but that side of the ball, I, I really want to see. You know, it, does does either one of them have a little something? Yeah, actually, Vanderbilt's won the last two against Ole Miss in Nashville. Obviously, don't you know? No fans at this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vanderbilt has really, really struggled with Ole Miss last year tackling in space. That was a major problem. That's kind of what Ole Miss does. They get you in space. They get their athletes the ball. So that's the concern there. I don't know if this will be a factor, but Vanderbilt, you know, coming off the COVID situation, they have listed four quarterbacks on their depth chart. The previous games, they only listed two this week. Now, Ken Seals is one of them, but if they're down from four scholarships to two scholarships, that could be something. But I, I think Ole Miss offensively just has too much, and Vanderbilt's one of the few teams in the league that can't punish that Ole Miss defense enough. Mm-hmm. Arkansas A&M, Arkansas, certainly the Cinderella story of the SEC right now. Can the ball sort of last all season, or does it strike midnight at some point? I I think I'm in on Arkansas. I think I was really under understating or underrating their talent level. Um, you know, again, Andy Staples and I have talked about this. Ari Wasserman, our recruiting writer, has talked about this. You know, Arkansas, the way that they've recruited, has a top 25-ish sure. roster, and I think that we really underestimated how bad um, sort of a lot of the systems that they were trying to run those uh, guys through last season were. So. You know, if they get rocked by A&M here, I think that's sort of the, the striking midnight. But I, I don't think so. I think Arkansas can can compete in this game. I think they can win this game. Um, but again, if history is any guy, they're going to lose this game in, in heartbreaking fashion, uh, as per tradition in the Southwest Classic. But that, that's what I want to see is, is, is Arkansas, can they sort of keep this ride going? Yeah, I'm, I'm saying no. I think this is kind of a market correction game. And I, I love the Arkansas story, Sam Pittman, all that stuff. I think they're living a little bit of a lie, uh, just a little bit. They forced 13 turnovers, the most in the SEC. They've got 10 interceptions. 
I'm a big believer in you know turnovers. Kind of you kind of you can't count on them every week. I, they, they, you're going to return to the norm there, and uh, I think if they're not able to force turnovers, I don't think they're good enough offensively. Uh, to outscore A&M in College Station, the game's in College Station. You know, they're 13th in the SEC in yards per play, 11th in scoring. I think they'll play well defensively, but I just think that if they can't force those turnovers and get short fields, they're going to struggle to score a lot of points. Mm-hmm. And finally, Auburn-LSU might be the highest scoring game in the SEC this week, but Florida-Mizzou might not be far behind. Again, we'll see if Mr. Bazelak can can make something happen. Auburn's, I mean, uh, Florida's defense has shown they can be scored on. This could this is an opportunity I think for a breakthrough game for Eli Drinkwitz. I don't know that uh, they're going to win this game, but I don't think they would. You know, the Earth would stop on its axis if they if they did, and it'd be a, a hugely meaningful game for them. So I want to see. You know, can Mizzou pull a spri- pull a surprise here and, and shake up the East a little bit and and you know beat Florida and then promptly go to Athens and just sort of hand Georgia their tickets to Atlanta and say, congratulations, guys. We did this for you. Uh, enjoy the cocktail party. Um, we'll see you guys next year. Yeah, this is uh, – it's been a weird series. It's actually 4-4. Missouri has played Florida well, including some mm-hmm. embarrassing, you know, big wins in Gainesville. I think at least one win in Gainesville. Um, I think it's – can – Florida get pressure on Connor Bazelik. You know, they did – Kellen Mond really feasted on that defense in the second half last time we saw them. And we don't really know what we're getting from Florida. You know, they had all those guys. They Evidently, most of them are back, but they had a bunch of – a few new positive tests this week. So mm-hmm. we don't really know what that roster is going to look like. I think it's like you. I, I expect Florida to win, but I think there's a sneaky good opportunity for Mizzou to go down there and steal a win against a, a Florida team that's playing its first game in two weeks. Somebody's going to want to fire their coach after this week. I feel very confident about that. It's the SEC. (laughs) Technically, that's true every week, but I feel like when you look at that Florida-Mizzou, you look at Arkansas A&M, you look at maybe Vandy Ole Miss, Auburn LSU, that one jumps out to me. There's going to be some some hand wringing at the end. What if of this Alabama week, so. puts a, like a fifty-one to three spot on? What's what's the temperature? And I mean, I you say if I say yeah. when, uh, yeah, <laughs> like because you know Nick Saban's going to want to shut that offense yes, down. You know, I know I Alabama's so. had its problems, but he's going to want to keep Mississippi State out of the end. And zone. you wonder too what the mental state of the entire roster is of the Mississippi State thing when you you have guys leaving that are valuable pieces, and the coach says, "Oh, sorry," <laughs> like okay, like. Maybe like Hill. Leach is it's in the Kyle right here. Yeah. yeah, Kylan Hill was like a hero in that state in the offseason. Yeah. And then say, okay, later, dude. Yeah, I heard he opted out. Best of luck to Mike <laughs> Leach. That, that will do it for this week's show. Uh, next week's uh, episode of Football and Grits and Mike Leach uh, will be, yes. will okay. be uh, you know, a classic. I'm sure next week we'll have plenty to talk about. But thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, subscribe, leave us a rating, and subscribe to The Athletic at theathletic.com backslash grits. For Mitch Light, I'm David Ubbin. We'll see you guys tomorrow. John Hayes here with some picks. It should be a fun week in the SEC. See you guys again.